I love the Advent season. I love it. It's one of my favorite times of the year. This is a time when Christians, not just here, Christians all around the world, Christians all over the earth will join together this month for just a few weeks and intentionally look at the beauty of the birth of Christ and the glory of his return. The word Advent means coming. When we think of Advent and we talk about the Advent season, this is a season that we celebrate the first Advent. This is when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the coming of Christ, his birth. But we also look to the second Advent. This Advent has not yet taken place, but it is a sure day that is to come. This is when Jesus will return and he will bring justice and righteousness to the world. This is the day when Christ will receive his people fully to himself and he will make all things new. And there's so much that I can say about that, but just in short, it is in the second advent that Christ will remove all evil from the world, all sickness, all sadness, and all death from existing on this earth. So the first advent and the second advent bring us hope and peace and joy and expectancy. This advent season at ABC, we want to, as a church, do something in particular when we come together on Sunday mornings. And it's this, we want to ask the question, what does advent, what does this season teach us about who God is, or what is God like? What does the Advent season teach us about who God is and what God is like? Last week, Pastor Keith brought a message on uh, what, what do we learn about who God is? Well, God is our long-awaited Savior, and He is our coming King. He's our Savior, and He is our King this week. We will look at this is that God is the ultimate of givers and he is also the ultimate of gift. That's what we'll see today. Pray with me before we jump into God's word. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Your word brings us hope. Your word points us to the path that we should walk, a, a, a path that is of joy, of love, of excitement in Christ Jesus of purpose. Lord, help us to end this hour for us to set our minds, set our hearts on Christ and be changed. Or that this Christmas would be different because we have now believed more on the Son. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Look with me at John chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 19. This is the word of our God. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It's the word of the Lord. Today, I want to give you, and you can open up your outline. I would love for you to do that or open up your worship guide to your outline. We want to see in light of the joy of this Advent season, John 3 gives us three beautiful reminders for us today that have the power to change our hearts this Christmas season. Let's look at the first reminder that we see. Number one, Advent reminds us that God is the most generous and outrageous giver in the entire universe. We need to hear this. We're going to say it one more time. Advent reminds us that God is the most generous and outrageous giver in the entire universe. We see that there, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, that he gave, that he gave. God is a giver. Some of you this season are struggling because you see him only as God is a taker. Listen to me. Our God, the God of the Bible, he is the most ultimate of all givers. Our God, he is the most generous and outrageous giver in the entire universe. James 1, I'm going to read several scriptures. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. But James 1, verses 16 through 17 tells us, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And that involves you sisters too. Okay, don't be deceived. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. I mean, what do you have that you did not receive from God? Isn't that a great question for us to ask every morning? What do you currently have that you can truly take credit for? Everything that we have, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. You can't make yourself breathe, but God gives you breath. You can't make your lungs work properly, but it's God that gave you your lungs. God's a giver. It's interesting at our table every single night when we're eating dinner, we we do try to eat dinner at the table almost every night, but whenever we are there at the table together, we, we pray a very simple prayer. And it is this, Lord, help us to remember as we eat this food that you're a giver. Help us receive, as we eat this food, that we'll remember it was from you. If you give us this food, it should remind us that you gave us your son. Simple reminders that point us that God's a giver. God is a giver. I love Luke 11. I want to read this for you. 
tie this into the Christmas season as well. Luke 11, verse 9 through 13. I do want you to flip there. Flip to Luke 11. I grew up in a culture of generosity. That's a a gift from God. I grew up in a culture of generosity. My my grandfather, who's my pawpaw, some of you may have known George Mache. I knew him as Paul Paul, but he, he was the most generous man I'd ever met. And, and he didn't just give like extravagant gifts. It wasn't like that. I, I'll tell you what uh, Paul Paul would do. He wanted to just touch people's lives. He loved to do that. And for about two years, I got to drive him around. When I turned 16, this was mostly in the summers or when I would get out of school. But from 16 to about 18, I would go and I would pick up Paul Paul. And we would go to P&P Produce. Who knows about P&P in this room? You know about that? There you go. Tuscaloosa peeps. Uh, we would go to P&P Produce and we would go in. And Paul Paul would want to, he was generous. He wanted everybody in the whole place to, to drink one of those glass sodas because they tasted better, okay? And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to put peanuts in it. He wanted to do all those kind of things. But he wanted every single person that was there. And so he would make sure that everyone sat down long enough to drink one of those sodas because they were better. And then he would go around and he would just start buying uh, produce. He would buy produce for people that were in the store, uh, he would buy produce that he would put in these bags and we would, you know, he had me there to load up the bags. And so there I was uh, toting these, these brown bags to the back of his van and we'd put them in and he would say, he would just tell me where to drive, you know, and he would just, would just blunt, he would just get in the car, drive me to Nana, drive me to your parents, drive me to the neighbors, drive me. And we would just go to these people and he would just get out and he would just deliver goodies. He did that every week. He was a generous man. He was generous. He taught me so much about generosity. My father is uh, one of the greatest examples I know of a generous man. He, he loves to give. He doesn't give so that people say, man, you're a good giver. He doesn't do that. He gives because he loves. He loves. He has a generous heart. He doesn't even want people to talk about it. He didn't want me to talk about it. He loves to give. And particularly, he loves to give to his kids. I'm really glad to be one of his kids. He loves to give to me. When I read this passage here in Luke 11, I think about my family. And I want you to know this before I read it. Not all of you can do that. Some of you don't have the same story. You didn't grow up in generosity. You grew up in greed. Some of you grew up alone. But I want you to know that in Christ, God, God's your father. And he gives us the greatest example of a generous heart, the greatest example of a father. Here's what we uh, see here in God's word. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse nine. The Lord says, and I tell you, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm at a really good stage in fatherhood right now. We've got, of course, a a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old girl. So at my house right now, at least for the, the oldest two, it's a really big deal for them to have a Christmas list. And so what we have been doing is uh, we, we tell them, you know, not to ask. We, we ask them. We go like a step further. We say, okay, what would you love? What would you like? Like, what would be the thing that you want for Christmas? It's a question of generosity. Most of you in the room know what I'm talking about. That question that you ask your kids and you want to find out what are they expecting. And mine decided to make lists this year. And Lucy, she actually wrote hers out and uh, she, you know, spelled it the way that she heard it in her mind. And it's super cute. And so you need to see it at some point. But, but she had a list that was basically a mile long, okay, <laughs> with all like really awesome things, okay. Uh, on that, we've got a Power Wheels. Uh, we've got the, a Mercedes Power Wheels, not just a Power Wheels. And they cost about as much as a Mercedes. So it's interesting, but... But a power wheels and she's just got all these things on her list and they're real particular. She wants a suitcase. Who knew? You know, uh, that, that's what she wants. Annie Ruth, her little list, she articulated to us. We wrote it down. She, she wanted a little tiny skunk. That's what she told us. A little skunk, which we know exactly what she's talking about. It's a little tiny toy uh, that she got last year in her stocking and she wants another one. So uh, a little skunk and a baby doll. So that's uh, Annie Ruth. But we ask them and we say, hey, what would you like? Now, I'm not going to, I, I don't expect this Christmas to say, all right, kids, it's Christmas morning. Let's go check out the stockings. Open it up. I got a snake for you. Lucy, guess what? I didn't get you that car, but I got you a scorpion. How's that? Awesome. Good. We, we would never do that. And, and what the word of God is telling us is this. Look, even the best of fathers, you're flawed. Like you're flawed. Even the best of fathers. In fact, you're evil. I don't like to say that, but that's what God's word says about our natural state. We're just born evil. The best of dads. But even we know how to give good gifts to our children. We at least desire to. But he says, but let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about, Jesus says, let me tell you about my father. My father is the perfect giver. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you know that God, our father, he knows what we most need. And that's the beauty of his, uh, of who he is. He's the, the most extravagant of all givers. He's the most generous but he's also the wisest. He knows what we most need and he knows how to give it to us. And what we most need is him. We need him. We need his presence with us. 
Advent reminds us that God is the most generous and outrageous giver in the entire universe. Secondly, Advent reminds us that Christ is the greatest and most valuable gift in the entire universe. He's the greatest and the most valuable gift in all the universe. God so loved the world that he gave, he's a giver, but he gave his son. He gave his son, his only son, that whoever would believe, whoever would look to him, we would not die, but we'd live forever. God's the greatest of all givers and also God is the greatest gift. He's the most valuable gift. Romans chapter eight. Oh, you know this scripture. Romans chapter eight, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but what? But he gave him up. He gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, God gives us many gifts. We said earlier, I mean, what, what do we have that we did not receive? But the greatest gift is the gift that gives us confidence that we'll receive anything else that we could need. And it's the gift of the son, the only son. God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. The greatest and the most valuable gift is Christ himself. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the gift I now live, I mean, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. Man, we've been given Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. See, this grace came in a person. Uh, the grace that we speak of, the what we do not deserve was Christ being born and living on our behalf and dying in our place and raising for our life. This Christmas season, this Advent season, for us to have the perspective that we need, it'll be us seeing God as the most generous and outrageous giver and seeing Christ as the greatest and the most valuable of gifts. Do you see Christ today? Is the greatest gift. Look, look with me at number three. Third reminder for the day. Advent reminds us that the greatest gifts to us, God's greatest gifts to us, must be received to be enjoyed. Advent reminds us that God's greatest gifts to us they must be received to be enjoyed. I want you to look back with me at John 3. And what we're going to ask is the question, how do we receive Christ? How do we receive him? 
And for you who sit in the room today and, and you're not a Christian, you, you have never believed on the gospel of Jesus. You've never turned from your sin to him. This is a question for you. How do I receive Christ today? How do I receive him? Uh, but for you who you know Christ, you are part of the family of God. This is still a question for you to ask this morning. How do I receive Christ today? How do I believe today? The question really doesn't change. The difference is for us, for us who are in Christ, we're safe. We're safe in his love. But we still do the same thing in that we look and we receive. So the question is, how do we receive Christ today? And church, I want you to look with me at verse 14. Look at verse 14 of John 3. Jesus says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if you remember this story, it's a, it's a doozy, okay? It's in the book of Numbers. And what happens is this, is that because of the sin of the people, because of their rebellion, God being just, God being right, God being one who can bring about wrath as he pleases, and it's good. He allows snakes to bite his people. So you got all of God's people, they're in the wilderness and snakes are biting them and people are dying. Snakes are biting and people are dying. Moses goes to the Lord and he says, what can we do? Save us, have mercy on us. God says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to get a big stick. And on the end of that stick, I want you to put a bronze serpent head. And if anybody will look at that bronze serpent head, they will not die of the snake bite, but they will live. He is obedient. He doesn't say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He doesn't do that. He goes and he does what appears foolish. They start looking and they live. Jesus brings up this story that we probably, I mean, until this point, if we didn't know what we know about the gospel, we would say, what is that story about? Why is that here? Jesus says, Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Church, here's what I want you to write down. It's that for us to receive, we must look to Christ we must look to Christ. Today, if you sit and you struggle this Advent season, this Christmas season, you struggle with doubt, you struggle uh, where you are with believing, 
Today, I need you to hear the beautiful gospel and that the gospel of Jesus is to look at him. You want to receive? Look to him. Look to him. Look to Christ. I love the songs that we just sung. I love the, uh, the wonderful mystery. What's it called? Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. I love that song because it helps us look. It helps us look. Like we look at his life. We look at his death. We look at the resurrection. We look to Christ. That's what we must train our hearts to do is look to Christ. Today, if you say, well, how do I receive? Look to Christ. Look to him. He gave himself for you. He has risen from the grave for your life. Look to him to receive. We see the truth in this text that seeing Christ is believing Christ. Seeing is believing. As they looked at the serpent, it says, so the son of man must, must be seen. So that whoever would believe in him would have life. Belief is given there. It's the same as, see, as uh, seeing Christ. Believing Christ and seeing Christ is the same. Look to him today. See him today. Believing Christ, church, is receiving Christ. You want to know how to receive him? We look to him. We see him in that we believe. In believing, we receive. Today, you need to let your heart settle down and believe the gospel of Jesus. In just a few minutes, we are going to partake of the Lord's table. And the way that we're going to do it today is a little bit different than what you might be used to. What we're going to do is we're going to take it at one time. Okay, there's not going to be two different times. So like, go ahead and get both your cups ready. And we're going to take it at one time. And as we do that, what we are going to tell the Lord is this. We believe. We believe. We're looking today. We see today. We believe today. As we take the table that says that Christ died in your place. We're going to believe today as a church. This Christmas season, let's begin to unwrap Christ. Unwrap the gospel. Open it up like a gift to us. I, I love the, the book uh, by Ann Voskamp, Unwrapping the Greatest Gift. We, we gave several copies last week to some of the parents and uh, it's a kid's book. It's wonderful for adults as well. But Ann Voskamp, her, her book, Unwrapping the Greatest Gift, she's a great writer and wordsmith. And here, here's what she says about receiving. She says, Jesus comes right to your Christmas tree and he looks at you and says, I am your rescuer and I will set you free from all brokenness and sinfulness and sadness. I'll be the gift and I'll take you. Will you take me? Will you want me? Who says yes? Who doesn't want to miss Jesus this year? 
Who wants to wake up Christmas morning with a heart that wants the greatest gift the most? Who wants Jesus more than anything else? This is Jesus in the manger who makes himself bread for us who are hungry. Jesus, the savior in swaddlings, who rescues us from darkness when we hold on to him, the light of the world. Jesus, who makes all of us really want the most. Christmas. Come and don't miss Jesus. Come and unwrap his story, the most unbeatable, unstoppable, unfailing love story. A story that is better than the best fairy tale because it's true. Come and be kissed by God and loved into the happily ever after. She says, unwrap the greatest gift, the safest, warmest love you've ever known. Love it. Unwrap the gospel. And there are several questions I'm going to ask in application before we take from the Lord's table. In fact, I'm going to skip that right there and get right to our application. Here's our, our questions we might ask How is God's generosity affecting my heart? this Christmas season. And we're not saying how has God affected me in the past? We're not asking, you know, what did I believe 30 years ago? We're not saying that. We're talking about in this moment, in this season, how today is God's generosity affecting my heart? Uh, for some of us, it's, we, we haven't even looked we haven't even taken the time to unwrap. Our hearts haven't leaped in years. And I'm telling you this Christmas season, look, Jesus is, he's more here. He's here. Like he, he's not less here than he was 20 years ago. He's not less here than he was back on the original Christmas day. He is here. But for us to enjoy him, we must receive him. We must receive him. Church, have you lost joy? Have you lost gladness? Are you filled with stress? You're not unwrapping the gospel. Open up Christ and receive him. Look to him this Christmas. See how generous he is in given his life. See the generosity of the father and be changed as the father gives his son. I'll ask it this way. It's a little more particular. How is the gospel affecting the way I give and receive gifts? I don't know who I need to say this to today, but somebody in the room you're that girl or you're that guy who you do not want to receive a present. In fact, if you receive one, you justify how you received it. And then you try to think of how you can win up that present for that other person. 
It may be because of the relationship we ha- you have with that person, or I don't really know why it might be, but some people, it's like you're scared to receive a gift. Like you feel indebted or something. You see it, it's really easy to see it like kid birthday parties. You know, like you go to the party and like all the kids are opening their present and you're like, shoot, I gotta buy a gift that good when I go to their party. You know, like, oh, you start thinking that way. It's shallow. I don't really do that, um, but you do. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But you know, <laughs> you start thinking about these guys. I just don't go to the parties, but um, no, but, but we, we are not people who typically receive well. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I crazy? And a lot of times it's the older that we get, it's like the less we want to receive. Now you give Annie Ruth the opportunity to open up a gift. She'll open up that little skunk and she'll be so happy. Like she'll rip the pages, you know, rip the paper. You know, like she just dives in and she doesn't apologize for getting it. She's not scared of getting it. She's not justified. She just takes it. She loves it. Some of you need to right now, I've been doing, this has been something, a practice for me. When I, when I go to, if I go to lunch with somebody and, uh, and they do the thing, Joey always does this to me. It drives, it does drive me crazy, Joey. But like, he will never let me buy anything. Like if I'm with Joey, he's like, I got this. He always gets it. That's a, he's a generous guy. He always does that. But what I started telling my heart was this. If I can't receive that coffee from Joey, I'm not receiving the gospel. If I can't receive a gift from somebody, I must not understand the gospel. The gospel, the thing that we celebrate, the truth that we celebrate, it's about receiving. And we should be a people who receive well. But it's not just about that. It's about giving. How many of you struggle with giving? There's some tightwads in here that you're like all upset right now because you're thinking, man, I'm gonna have to buy presents for this person and that person. And, and you got this list. Yeah, I called you a tightwad. You're going through this list and you're thinking about all the people that you need to buy for and how much it's gonna cost and all this kind of thing. I'm not saying church be irresponsible with your money, be responsible. But in the, when we look to Christ and we see the most generous gift, we of all people, we should love giving gifts. We should love to give a gift. I, I love to watch my kids open up presents. I love to give gift to anybody. It's fun watching them open up a gift that'll make their heart happy. Man, of all people, we should be people that can give and receive. The very gospel that we proclaim is a gospel that must be received and it's also a gospel that must be given away. It's a gospel that must be given away to the whole world. Where is your heart this Christmas? When I asked Jennifer if you'd go ahead and come up in the, in the worship team, the last song that we're singing today is Joy to the World. Joy to the World. What you think about these words as they lead us in song, Joy to the, Lord, the World, the earth receive her King. John chapter one, verse nine tells us that the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He, this is Jesus, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Father, do a great work in our midst today as we think on the...